What is shaking, everybody? Uh, this episode of the Golf Guide podcast is proudly presented by GolfGuide.net. We help you find the golf you need. And in fact, the golf you need this winter is four to five days at America's number one golf destination, which, of course, is Bandon Dunes Golf Resort. We are putting together our first inaugural trip to Bandon Dunes this December from the 13th to the 17th. We're going to be playing all four of the 18-hole courses at Bandon Dunes along with uh, Bandon Preserve in our free time. Going to be eating a lot of good food, drinking a lot of strong cocktails, and enjoying a lot of camaraderie and some good times. So I would invite all of you to visit golfguide.net, click on the events tab at the top of the webpage, and sign up today. Spots are limited. We only have room for 24 people on this trip. And if you have not been to Bandon Dunes, let's fix that. If you've been to Bandon Dunes, you know what the hell I'm talking about. So get on there. Join me. I will be there for four days of amazing golf and really, really good times. Golfguide.net. Click on the events tab. And that is it. Uh, all right, everybody. Let's get into it with another episode of the Golf Guide Podcast. Oh, yes. Oh, it feels really good to be back. Uh, hi there, everybody. Sorry we're coming uh, a little bit late this week. It's a very busy week. But I was trying to get something together with uh, with Jesper, and it just didn't work out. I was on the road all week, so I wanted to get you guys a quick little pod uh, before the weekend rolls around. Uh, just with a couple items that I've kind of been wanting to touch on these last couple of weeks, although since we've had so much major championship golf going on, it really has not allowed me any time um, to hit any of the stories or talk about any of the golf experiences that I've been having over the last two months because it's just there's too much important professional golf to talk about. So uh, we're just going to do a little bit of catch up today, um, touch on a couple different things. I do have my boy, Keel Meredith, in the house. Keel, uh, one of my all time best friends. Uh, I mean, this guy literally married me and my wife. Uh, however, he knows little to jack shit about golf. So he's just going to be sitting in studio today, kind of as my hype man. You know, anytime I say something really dumb, he's going to recover and say, dude, that was awesome. Am I right? 100%. Yeah. What you said just now was awesome. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, Kikil is going to have a lot of really, really good input like that today. So, all right, without wasting any more of you guys' time, uh, let's touch on a couple things. These are not news-related. These are just some things that I have been doing uh, the past couple of months that I wanted to share with you guys because it was just really awesome. Um, Earlier in May, I went down to Southern California I uh, played golf with my really good buddies, Mark and Andy, who, uh, if you have, are a longtime listener of this podcast, you remember them uh, from the Orange County episode that we did last summer, which was spectacular. Uh, I think we're going to try to get those guys back on the podcast, uh, maybe to talk a little bit about uh, the Nation Desert Classic and uh, some other Southern California golf items. But I uh, went down there, played uh, at San Clemente Municipal Golf Course, which, by the way, if you are in Orange County looking for a great round of golf at a good price, uh, that course was killer. I'm pretty sure it's an old, uh, shoot, what is the name of the gentleman? Billy Bell, uh, the guy who designed Torrey Pines. I think he did this golf course as well. It's like a, just over 6,000 yards, 18 holes, great value. It was less than 40 bucks to walk. Um, really, really good stuff. They are not a sponsor. They are not paying me a fucking dime to say any of this. Uh, I just had a really good experience down there. So 
the next time I am down in Orange County looking for a, a good value and a, and a fun round of golf, I will probably head back to San Clemente Muni. But that was just a precursor for when we headed into the desert for uh, my first experience at the Nation Desert Classic. Uh, Nation is a golf apparel company that specializes in kind of 50s, 60s, 70s looking golf apparel. If you want to feel like you blend in in Caddyshack, it's a, it's a great spot to go. Um, they did an awesome job. Just drank a shitload of vodka lemonades. Uh, played a lot of good golf. Me and my boys fired a 59 uh, in our four-man scramble. Good enough for third place. Uh, seeing how as we were, I'm not going to say moderately, st- st- severely toasted by the time that uh, that round of golf was over, I- I- I'm just immensely proud of my guys. Burn, Andy, and Mark, go us, all right? We, we-, we fucking rock. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think we were awesome? Totally. Yeah, I, I agree. Keel Keel's verifying our awesomeness. So this is this is fantastic. So that was really good. I'm looking forward to doing it again next year. Um, I believe it is an invitation only event. So I would recommend you guys check it out. But uh, until it becomes an open and uh, instead of an invitational, you are just gonna have to follow the Nation uh, Instagram page uh, to get updates on that. And also, if you want to see somebody talk a bunch of shit about other rival apparel companies, uh, Nation, good follow, good follow on social media. Um, all right. Other than that, the other one thing I wanted to touch on was uh, last month uh, I got to go to the grand opening of a new store called Decathlon. Uh, they opened their first U.S. store in Emeryville, uh, right next to the Bay Bridge on the East Bay side. And I had never heard of Decathlon before, but they invited me down to their media day. And I was very impressed. Uh, it's a new sporting goods store. They sell apparel, equipment, um, anything related to sports for every sport you could possibly imagine. Golf is just a small subsection of their store. Um, but a couple of the representatives took some time to talk to me, um, show me around, and I, I was just really, really impressed. A really affordable uh, golf gear. And what I think was awesome is that they are focused on providing equipment, um, you know, really to every skill group, but they're really focusing on beginner to intermediate golfers uh, and trying to provide them with affordable but also really high-quality um, gear for those people, which is not something you see that often because, you know, as you guys could probably imagine, beginning and intermediate golfers is not where you make any money. <laughs> the, the people who are buying thousands of dollars of gear every year, uh, where a lot of these apparel and uh, especially the manufacturers, the uh, equipment manufacturers, I mean, they're making their money from people that are hardcore golfers that just can't help themselves and just spend a ton of money. And so because of that, it's kind of been disincentivized to make a lot of equipment for people that are newer to the game because they're just not as reliable spenders. Um, but Decathlon seems like they're making a huge investment in beginners and intermediate golfers. And I, I think it's awesome. They have like sets of golf clubs that have like seven clubs, which include like a driver, like four or five irons, a wedge and a putter, all of which were pretty high quality. I tested some of the stuff out and uh, I was really impressed. So um, if you are looking for some of that stuff, again, they are not a sponsor. They have not paid me shit. Uh, to say anything about this. I just was really impressed with my experience there. And uh, just to somebody making a recommendation to uh, people that, you know, I, I appreciate and, and trust, uh, such as all of you fine listeners out there, uh, I, I would, you know, if you're in the Bay Area, just, you know, you got some time to kill, go check out the Decathlon store. It was uh, it was pretty awesome. All right, enough of that nonsense. Let's hit some news. This is going to be the couple items we touch on before I bid you adieu for the weekend. Um, over the last couple of days, uh, the NCAA championships have been taking place. Um, the man, Matt Wolf, uh, out of Oklahoma State University, won the individual honors, dusting second place by five strokes. Um, if you are not familiar with Matthew Wolf, he has got a crazy golf swing uh, that the guy just 
pummels the golf ball um, and is looking like he is going to be the real deal uh, here probably in the next five to six years. Um, so please keep an eye out for Matt Wolf. But despite the Oklahoma State Cowboys, of which Matthew Wolf is a part of, um, being without a doubt the best collegiate golf team in the country, they lost in the semifinals. And I'm proud to say the local boys, the Cardinal of Stanford University, reigned supreme, winning the Team NCAA Championship, which is super awesome. Um, a couple years ago, I had a chance to go down and visit the Stanford University practice facility uh, with its architect, Jay Blasey, and was just beyond impressed. I mean, such a, a fucking cool complex they have got down there. Um, not that that is responsible for them winning an NCAA title, but... Uh, Man, it's just really, really cool. Very, very happy to see Stanford win. Um, I, I never could have gotten into Stanford. Uh, probably couldn't have even gotten in as a janitor. Uh, however, it is the college that I wanted to go to until I was about 13 when I realized that I was way too retarded to, to, to be able to do that. But anyway, always happy to see the Cardinal do well. Congratulations to them on NCAA championship win. Uh, as I'm recording this right now on Friday, what is today's date? May 31st. Um, the memorial is taking place. I think Ryan Moore was in the first round lead. Um, it's going to be a great tournament. I will be back with Jess Stemack next week to review uh, everything that happened at Jack's tournament this past weekend. But also, uh, we'll also begin to preview the U.S. Open coming up here in a couple of weeks as it's going to be taking place right here in our backyard at uh, Pebble Beach Golf Links, which is going to be awesome. Hey, Keel, do, do you have any thoughts on Pebble Beach, the golf course? Uh, my only experience with Pebble Beach would probably be from uh, Tiger Woods 08. So uh, on on you know on the virtual screen, it looks amazing. Wow, that is some very powerful input. I appreciate that. I, Not a problem. I I didn't uh, I didn't buy any of the Tiger Woods games after 2004. Although I played them long after that, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure Pebble was on those as well. So anyway, uh, again, hard hitting analysis from my friend Keel here. Appreciate that, man. Um, actually, I, I do have one question actually about the collegiate thing, if you don't mind. Please. It's it's gonna be very amateur, but. Uh, would you say are the collegiate players like on like their skill level? Is it PJ worthy? In no, no, okay, no, it's not. I mean, so it's not inconceivable that a NCAA, you know, high level NCAA player can come in and compete, or even I guess in theory win. Um, but man, it's a long shot. I mean, it's. I heard Jeff Shackelford um, of Golf Week and Golf Channel talking about this a little bit where it seems like players who are getting younger and younger are getting pushed onto the professional tours to start making money and people are thinking, oh, these guys are so good. Uh, you know, you, you guys, you know, you, you know, whoever's influencing them or, or talking in their ears is telling them, hey, you guys can go and compete right now. And I think it's because there have been several players in the past couple of years that have had an, an, a huge amount of success at a very young age. Um but man, they are—they are the exception. They're definitely not the rule. Um, and I would say one out of every seventy-five NCAA players that get an exemption into a PGA tournament will make the cut and be relevant. Okay, definitely I, won't win. I guess that was my question too. Is it similar to, like, if you're playing in college, are you, can you still play in PGA if you have the opportunity to? You can get an exemption um, if you're playing in college. You are what's considered an amateur, and if you are an amateur. Um, you are not qualified to collect any prize money. So you're basically just there to get experience. You can still win a tournament as an amateur. I mean, Bobby Jones, one of the most famous golfers of all time, was never a professional. He was an amateur for the entirety of his career. 
Um, but then again, you know, back in the early 20th century, amateur golf was very, very, very different. I mean, that back then, professional golfers were looked down upon. It's kind of like, oh, you have to resort to being golf as your full-time job because you're not smart enough to be a lawyer or something like that. You have to actually just sit around and give lessons. Like, you used to be preferred to be an amateur because that meant you had a successful business career and that with your spare time, you were still one of the best golfers in the world. Where now, you know, with the specialization of sports and things like that, you know, if you're not a professional, uh, that means you don't have enough time to be good enough to, you know, compete and win on tour, basically. Um, but yeah, excellent question. Cool, sorry. Yeah. Honestly, I'm excited to get you back in here for future episodes because I want somebody that knows nothing about golf to ask these kinds of questions because I kind of take this information for granted. And so if there is anybody out there listening that maybe has a question when I'm talking about something and doesn't know what I'm talking about, having a little checks and balance system right here, wildly helpful. Anytime, man. Anytime. Yeah. Perfect. Um, all right, let's see here. Uh, Kevin Na did win the Charles Schwab Challenge back down at Colonial a couple weekends ago. Good for him. He gave the uh, car he won to his caddy, which... Uh, Chuck Schwab didn't seem super excited about, but uh, that happened. Good for Kevin Na. Um, I did see this. This is a couple days old, but uh, SV Date of the Huffington Post had an article on our boy Don, uh, you know, our, our commander-in-chief. Um, it's really fascinating. Of the 853 days that Donald Trump had been in office at the time of this article, he had golfed on 174 of those days. That is really impressive. Now, again... Anybody that listens to this podcast can probably guess that I'm not the biggest Don fan. Um, but I'm a fucking golf nerd, and I'm wildly impressed that this guy is finding that much time to play golf. I mean, I think it's awesome. Now, was he giving Barry Obama a bunch of shit for playing too much golf? Yes. Through the same amount of days, has he played almost three times as many rounds of golf as Barry Obama? Yes. Has he cost the taxpayers 15 times as much money playing golf as Barry Obama did at the same point? Yes. Is Donald Trump have the IQ of a retarded cabbage? Probably. But I'm very impressed with his passion for golf. Do you know what his golf game's like? Like, is he good? He shit. Is he shit? Okay. He, he is a notorious cheater. Um, people who have, you know, been willing to come forward and talk about playing golf with Donald Trump have all pretty much relayed the same story that he is a wild cheater. His He has, like, 18 club championships. But all of those are at his own golf clubs. And something tells me most of those are probably not on the up and up. There was even a story where a gentleman uh, won like a club championship. Again, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. I might be missing a detail or two. Um, but he, <laughs> this guy wins a club championship. Donald sees him at the golf club when he's down there. And it's like, hey, man, you saw the one the club championship, but it doesn't count. I wasn't here. I'm, I'm, I'm the club champion. You have to beat me. And the guy's like, well... Yeah, I mean, like, come on, you're kind of crappy at golf, like, you weren't going to win anyway. And Donald's like, no, 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 I'll tell you what, you and me from this point right here, let's play in. If you beat me for these next five holes, you can actually be the club champion. And the guy had his kid with him. And he's like, I don't know, man, I'm like, just trying to play golf with my son right now. Can you just kind of leave us alone? <laughs> and I was like, no, like, if you don't play me right now, we will not give you the club championship. It will, I, I will still keep it. And the guy's like, oh. So he's like, fine, whatever. I guess you're the president and you're like the owner. Fine, whatever. So Donald plays with this guy and his son. Well, a couple holes in, Don just <laughs> shits the bed, hits one in the hazard or something like that. Close to the green but misses it, hits it into a hazard. And uh, the guy hits it like just off the green and the son hits it onto the green. Well, 
the caddies go up ahead, they replace the kid's ball on the green with a ball just like Don's. And they get up to the green and the kid walks up to his ball and the caddy says, oh, I'm sorry, that's Mr. that's the president's. And the kid's like, no, that's my ball. I hit it right there. And they're like, no, go check the ball. That's the president's. And the guy who's the, the, the rightful club champion's like, dude, are you fucking serious right now? Like, what the hell is going on? This is a true story. I mean, this was a this was published on reputable golf news websites. And uh, anyway, we are we're going way off the rails here. I, I don't want to isolate our uh, our Republican uh, listeners because, in all honesty, like half of my political views probably you know lean toward towards the right. You know, but uh, again, not the biggest Don fan, but very impressed with his thirst for golf, and also really impressed that he can be so shitty right. <laughs> and still want to play that much golf, both in terms of his personality and his actual like skills of his golf game. So. Anyway, thought that was very interesting. Some good reporting by SV Data of Huffington Post. If you want to read more about that, you can go check out their website. Um, and then the last couple things, last couple news items I want to touch on were uh, in the last couple of days, Hank Haney, uh, Tiger's former swim coach, has been suspended uh, by PGA Tour uh, Radio. He had a radio show on you know, some sort of XM station that aired from 10 a.m. to noon uh, on weekdays, and he made some comments a couple of days ago that have gotten him in some hot water. Um, basically talking about who is going to win the U.S. Women's Open this weekend. Haney, and again, I'm paraphrasing, basically said, uh, I'll bet you it's probably going to be a Korean. And, I don't know, probably with a last name Lee? <laughs> okay, just want to throw this out there. What he said is fucked up, sure. However, I think what Hank Haney is doing, and again, I have actually not listened to the audio. I've only read transcripts of it. To me, it would appear that Hank Haney was trying to tell a joke, and it's just not funny. <laughs> like, he's just a not funny guy who was trying to tell a joke and really butchered it. Because, I mean, the fact of the matter is, I get exactly where he was coming from, and I'm a white male, so I guess I'm really not that offended, but I, a lot of people are saying that's the problem with this whole thing, is that white males like you and I, Keel. Really? Uh, but as somebody who has lived in Korea for several years, you have lived in Korea for several years, both of us, between Keel and I, there's over five years of living experience in South Korea. So, you know, is a large portion of the PGA or LPGA Tour uh, Korean players? Yes. Do they seem like they are wildly good at golf, uh, you know, in terms of comparatively to other countries? Um, yes, they're really good. Could you tell a joke about how you think you're probably a Korean player is probably going to win and have it not be offensive? I think so. I mean, again, I... Who knows? I, I mean, you know, again, this is where I can't really fault Don for everything that he does because I like to be slightly offensive, and I think you know, the political correctness in, in America is getting a little out of hand as well. But I think this is a matter of Hank Haney being a really shitty joke teller and taking this joke a step too far, where if he had just mentioned, like, you know, casually and passively, like, I don't know, I mean, if I had to guess what nationality it's going to be, like, I guess my money would be on a Korean player and just end it there, I don't think anybody's really going to have that much problem. It, there's, a, there's a classy way to say it. There's a classy way to say it. It's just Hank Haney butchered it because he seemingly is just not funny. He's better at coaching people's golf swings than he is at telling jokes and being a radio host. Um, but it has been interesting. He's been suspended by the PGA Tour. Um, seemingly every LPGA Tour with any kind of a social media presence has come out and condemned Hank Haney, calling him uh, a racist, calling him uh, somebody who is demeaning uh, the female gender, um, I don't know if I disagree. I don't know if I agree. I just, 
I don't know. This this is something that Joe Rogan always hits on his podcast all the time, where he's like, "Listen, really funny jokes oftentimes are offensive. The only difference if people are offended or not is if it's funny. Like sometimes a joke doesn't hit, and if it's not funny and it's offensive, then it's just shitty. Where again, if he had just been able to say this in a way that was actually entertaining, like even if it was a little offensive because it got some laughs, I don't know. Think it would have come across being so bad. I don't know. Did, no, knowing what you know, do do you have any input on this? Well, I was just gonna say in, the, in this day and age, where we are right now, it's a dangerous game. If you do yes. not, if if you don't know that it's not gonna hit, yes, like just shut your mouth. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I I would tend to agree with that. Right. Um, yeah, Hank Annie, you dipshit. <laughs> to be fair, I never listen to Hank Annie's radio show because it does not seem like it's must listen to programming for me. Well, so. And, uh, so another amateur question here. Sure. Who's this guy? Hank Haney is a infamous swing coach. Uh, Tiger Woods, one of Tiger Woods's former swing coaches. Okay. Uh, he works has worked with a lot of professionals over several decades, um, but seemingly doesn't know how to take you know. And he's been with him with Tiger since the beginning. He, he's not Tiger like, swing coach and hasn't been for a while. Just okay. at, at one point, like I think after Butch Harmon, he worked with Hank Haney for a little bit. Okay. Um, He's written a, he's written a couple tell all books about you know different guys work with Tiger specifically and some other stuff like that. So, gotcha. anyway, Hank, bad on you, dude. Bad luck. on you. Better luck next year. Um. All right, and then finally, the last thing I want to touch on because the U.S. Open is only a couple of weeks away. Golf Digest and GolfDigest.com has come out with several stories recently of people just absolutely eviscerating the USGA ahead of its annual championship, the U.S. Open. Um, they posted an article, <laughs> which is really pretty incredible. Um, let me see. The day they posted this would be May 27th. Uh, as part of their U.S. Open preview, it is called USGA Confidential, and the subheadline is Phil's fiasco from last year have exposed a deepening rift between the ruling body and the game's best players, who once even considered a boycott of the U.S. Open. Um, basically, they pulled like 57 players now, granted, all anonymously, um, about their thoughts on the USGA. Um, it's like worse than I, I mean, I, I knew the USGA had just stepped in its own, you know, <laughs> its own pile of shit over and over again these last couple of years. I mean, pretty much Chambers Bay, <laughs> uh, yeah, like Chambers Bay in 2015 to the Dustin Johnson thing at Oakmont in 16, Aaron Hills being not a very exciting golf tournament in 17 to... <laughs> Brooks kept on everything that happened at Shinnecock last year. The USGA just can't get out of its own way. The players are taking notice, and they are... The long and the short of it is the guys that actually play professional golf week after week are just fed up with the USGA coming in and basically trying to run a golf tournament when they only run one of these a year. And these other guys do this every single weekend, and the USGA is trying to come in and tell the players how things work and how to do things. And a lot of these... The general sentiment I got from reading the article was like, the players like, you fucking idiots. We do this every week. You're coming here. Like, as an example, a caddy said that he was really fed up and just said the USGA is patronizing that they would come up to him on the first team. Like, gentlemen, all right, I need you guys to look in your bags, verify you have 14 clubs in your bag. You're not over. I need you to do all this kind of stuff like that and verify with me. And the caddy is just like, dude, again, I do this every fucking week. I know how many clubs are in my guy's bag. If it's fucked up, I'll pay the penalty, but I get this is my living. I, you don't need to... F- remind me of this kind of crap like you guys you do this one time a year all right get out of my face and even though that was a caddy it seems like a lot of the players have a similar sentiment where the way the usga sets up the us open 
is just so different from what they experience week to week. Now, I actually don't think that's a bad thing. I I think the way that the PGA Tour sets up a lot of golf tournaments for the professionals is pretty vanilla and kind of makes it so we watch a very similar brand of golf week after week after week with the bomb and gouge type stuff. So I, I do actually appreciate the USGA trying to present a different challenge to the world's best players, um, but they are not pleased. Um, I, I'm not going to try to say any more about it. It's it's a article worth reading. It's uh, by John Hugan, John Huggin, and Brian Wacker on uh, Golf World, but you can go to golfdigest.com and just uh, search USGA Confidential, and that'll pop up as part of their U.S. Open preview. And then since then, uh, Phil Mickelson has come out with another article on Golf Digest about how much he individually despises the USGA. So we will get into more of that information with uh, Jess in next week's podcast after we review the memorial and uh, get talking a little bit about uh, the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach here in a couple weeks. But other than that, I'm going to let you guys go and have a great weekend. Keel, do you have anything else to add for these fine folks before we bid them adieu? Just also hope you guys have a great weekend, and uh, thanks for having me. It's fun. Really crushed it today. Really, really proud of you. You've done very well. Um, That's it, everybody. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. We'll be back early next week. Uh, Again, if you guys want to visit Bandon Dunes and join me there this winter from December 13th to the 17th, visit golfguide.net and click on the events tab at the top of the page. Join me. Again, four rounds of world-class golf, strong cocktails. I mean, we're drinking double screwdrivers every morning, all right? If you don't want to, I will not hold it against you. But anybody that wants to join me and get after it, I will be there, okay? Uh, Golfguide.net, events, sign up. Looking forward to seeing you guys there. Other than that, have a great weekend. I hope you guys enjoy uh, the golf on TV, but I really actually would prefer for you guys to just get out and actually play some golf. That's as great as the professionals are. It's more fun to play golf than it is to watch it. So I hope you guys get out and play some golf this weekend. And until next time, adios. Adios.